Today is our last message in the sermon series, Family Matters. We started on Mother's Day. Today on Father's Day, we're going to reach our sixth and final message in the series. If you have been listening throughout the six weeks, I have said, and I've said it repetitively, we need a revival of the Word of God in our homes today. We need a revival of the Word of God in our homes today. I believe that. I see that. Each week I'm more convinced. I'm more adamant. We need this morning, today, on Father's Day 2017, be sure we need a revival of the Word of God in our homes today. Why? Why is this so needed? Why is it so urgent? Why is this so pressing? Friends, listen to what I'm about to say today, the most terrifying thing. Why do we need a revival of the Word of God in our homes today? It is because Satan is coming for our kids. Make no mistake, Satan is coming today for our kids. 1922 in Germany began the growth of the Nazi youth movement. It started with about 5,000 kids between the ages of 10 and 16. It was a small movement. In 1932, it became a tool of the up-and-coming Adolf Hitler who saw it as, a, as an opportunity for the indoctrination of the nation's youth. There were 107,000 youth participating that year. By 1936, there were over 5 million kids in the movement. In 1937, it became mandatory, even over the objection of the parents. And kids could be removed from the home. They could be taken from the parents for their refusal to participate. In 1940, youth had to have a certificate of completion in order to enroll in college or to enter the workforce. That year, there were over 10 million kids between the ages of 10 and 16. Hitler stated his intent was that you can change the mindset or the ideology of the entire nation in 10 to 15 years, less than a generation, if you can grab the minds and the loyalty of the children. Friends, be sure this morning, Satan, the father of lies, the prince of this age, craftily and strategically and destructively knows the same thing. And I want to tell you, he is coming for our kids, my kids and your kids. And I'll tell you, he's not going to rest until they lie in a pile of death and destruction. He is coming for our kids. That absolutely terrifies me. I look over and I see this row of kids. I see my kids and your little kids and that absolutely makes me sick. It keeps me awake at night. He seeks the minds of our kids and he seeks the, the hearts and the loyalty of our kids and ultimately seeks the doom of our children. And just as I must sound the alarm this morning, I'm also privileged to herald the answer, the good news, and that is this. Our hope is in Jesus and to cling to him and the truth of his holy word. And so I say it once again, we need a revival of the word of God in our homes today. Satan is coming for our kids. Today our message is entitled, Raising Kids Right. 
Raising kids right. We're going to have one verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Raising kids right. Ephesians chapter 6, the first verse. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, this first verse. It says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We know that you still stand. And we know that our hope endures because of Jesus Christ. We know that we have peace and it is settled. We know that we have truth and it stands. And so we come today and we worship the name of Jesus Christ. We also look around and we see the ploys of Satan and we see where he would want to corrupt our mind and he would want to corrupt our thinking. He want to steal the hearts of us and even our kids, especially our kids. And so we come today as we go through this series on the family, this series on marriage and on kids that we would understand our hope is to have a gospel-centered home and a gospel-centered family. God, empower that. Help us to impart that to our kids. We come today and I pray in this hour, in this service, that you would speak, that it would be your truth, that we would be changed, convicted, taught in the hearing of your word today. I pray that we would leave here with a new resolve today, Lord. Help us in that. We come today and we tell you, we praise you, Jesus. We honor you, we worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To review this morning, to set the context, in our series, we have seen that first, God's plan is for the truth of God, the, the truth of who he is, and the truth of what he has done to be passed from one generation to the next generation. Very simply, the truth that we serve the living God, the truth that he is the true God and the truth of, of all that he is, of his nature, the, the truth of the fact that he is absolutely faithful to all generations. That truth is to be carried from one generation and to be handed off to the next generation. That is God's plan. The truth of who he is is to be passed to the next generation. We saw that week that when that doesn't happen, there are terrible consequences. When that doesn't happen, there are grave consequences. I think today you look around and it's easy to see we are suffering those consequences today. Next, we saw that God's plan, God's means for this to happen is in the home. God's plan for this to happen is in the home. Very simply, it is in the home and it is through the home that this is to occur. Today in 2017, be very sure, church, the primary means of Christian discipleship is the Christian home. I think we've thought, well, maybe it's the church, or maybe it's somebody else, maybe it's some teacher, maybe it's somebody we'll come and listen to, or we'll come drop our kids off. No, the primary means of Christian discipleship is the Christian home. I'm, I'm afraid that's been lost. Be sure of that. 
the place where the, the truth of God's word and the truth of, of the gospel is upheld is to be in the Christian home. The place where the truth of the gospel is to be presented to our kids is to be in the Christian home. Ultimately, the place where they're to receive the gospel should be in the center there of the Christian home. So doesn't it make sense then why Satan has attacked the home, all the things that he could attack, doesn't it make sense why the culture and the world are destroying the very idea of a home? It is an attack against the very plan of God. We need to have our glasses on. We need to see Satan's ploys. Next we saw, and we spent three weeks on it, the home is God's plan to uphold and to pass on his truth, but then we saw that marriage is the foundation of the home. Biblical marriage is the foundation of the home. All the way back to the book of Genesis, confirmed again by Jesus himself, marriage is the foundation. Marriage is the bedrock of the home. And as marriage goes, so goes the home. And as the home goes, so goes God's plan for discipleship. Marriage is foundational. Marriage is a big deal to God. Remember the verse of Matthew chapter 19, it says this. Simple as this, listen to this. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Friends, I don't have to tell you that is a hated plan today. That is a reviled plan today. The world would have us to, to set aside and to water down and to distort and to even deny that plan today. But you listen to me this morning. Hear me today. This is still the word of God and it still holds true. And God has said in his word, whether it's popular or not or whether it's accepted or not, we are to uphold and we are to embrace his plan. We need a revival of the word of God in our homes today. We need to say our marriages are going to exist according to the word of God and what he has said. And our homes will be based upon that truth. That brings us to today. And it's just as unpopular as the rest of it. Let me just tell you this morning. I, I woke up this morning and I wish I could preach a popular message. I wish I could come here today and tell you, oh, today we're going to look at six ways to be a great dad. I wish I could come and tell you six ways to be loved by your kids or, or three ways to have a great Father's Day. I wish I could bring you a popular message today, but I will tell you, this is much more important. This is much more vital. Today, the truth is this. If we're to do what God intends in our homes, if our homes are to serve, actually serve his purpose, the truth of today is this. There is a right way to raise our kids. There is a right way to raise our kids. Now, just so you can be prepared, just so you can be ready, maybe you need to get braced up to get mad this morning. That means this. There is a right way to raise your kids, and that's God's way, and so all other ways are the wrong way. 
all these different ideas, all these educated thoughts about raising kids, all these popularly accepted ideas about raising kids. I want to tell you, if they're not based upon what God has said, if they're not based upon God's word, it doesn't matter how good they sound. It doesn't matter the results they seem to have. They are absolutely wrong. There is a right way to raise kids. So today in the sixth message of Family Matters, we're going to see what God has said, what God says, the right way to raise kids. I'm going to read this one verse again, and then we're going to go back and break it down. It starts off and it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, it's in the context of several verses there addressing children, but it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Right. Let's look at that verse. It starts off and it's addressed to children. Children. This command, this teaching is addressed to children. Now, it really is not talking about age here. In fact, I couldn't find anywhere that it was really specifically tied to an age. It's talking to offspring. It's talking to the children, the offspring of a married couple. For sure, while they were living with the parents, they would have been under this teaching. For sure, it seems in Matthew 19 that it ends with the marriage relationship. They have left their mother and they've left their father and they've clinged to their spouse. And so we see here that it's addressing children. Next word, obey. Here's the key to the whole thing. Obey. Obey. The Greek word here literally translates to hear under. To hear under. Now I want you to stay with me. Follow through this. To hear under. It's not to just hear. It's not to just listen. But rather it is to hear. It is to listen and then to respond. It is to hear under. To hear and to act. There is an action. There is a some act of submission to what the person has heard. It means this. The children, listen to this, in God's plan, the children are under the direction of the parent. The children are under the, the words of the parent. And they are to follow the leading and the direction of those parents. That is God's plan. Listen, very simply, God's plan is that kids would obey their parents. I think it's very interesting the Apostle Paul, as he writes his, his second letter to Timothy, says a sign of an evil, wicked time, a sign of the end days is that people are going to be lovers of self and lovers of money and boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Paul says in the end days, the sign of a society that's thrown off the system of God, the sign of a society that's pushed away the plan of God is that their kids are disobedient to their parents. That's the sign of a wicked age. That's what Paul says. God's plan is that kids would obey their parents. That's the biblical truth. And to that we all say, amen. Amen. Here's the deal. Hear this as well. Kids learn to obey their parents at the instruction of the parents. 
You see, it is the parent's job. It is your job as parents to teach your children the expectation and the requirement of obedience. And while we're quick today to want to condemn and to find fault with all these kids, and we want to talk about all these bad behaving kids, understand the requirement rests with the parents. The responsibility rests with the parents. It's their job to teach their kids to obey. Stay with me. So how do your kids learn obedience? Some of you want to know that. How do your kids learn obedience? It's one word. Discipline. It's a biblical word. Discipline. In fact, the Bible says a father that loves his children would discipline his children. A father that doesn't love his children, he won't discipline his children. Listen to me. The plan is that we're to teach them obedience. We're to set the expectation of obedience, and we're to uphold it with discipline. Parents are to discipline their kids. They're to be obedient. If they're not, they're to be disciplined. Let's get, let's get a little deeper in. So how are your kids trained in discipline? Punishment. Punishment. You set the standard. You set the expectation. And then there is punishment if it's not met. I'll just tell you today that the secular humanistic thought is that all restraint and all discipline are things to be liberated from. And you watch the secular humanistic thought today for, for humans to excel and for humans to be all that they ought to be, they need to throw off all restraint and they ought not be constrained in any way. We're to be liberated from constraint and if, if you're born a male and you don't feel like a male, don't be restrained by that. Declare you're something else. Christian doctrine, that's too restrictive. Don't be limited by that. Throw it off. Be liberated from it. The need for parents that need to even have parents. Don't be restrained by that. Throw it off for sure. Parents that hold authority, be liberated from that. Physical punishment. Kids ought to be liberated from physical punishment. Throw that off. And so we have all these crazy ideas. Books after books and ideas after idea, some way to set aside the idea of disciplining your kids and the way of enforcing it is in punishment. Hear me today, the Bible says there is a time for physical punishment. Haven't we evolved past that? Aren't, aren't our kids smarter than that? Oh, my kids are so smart, they have a different way to learn. Aren't we more enlightened than all that today? Aren't we more humane and more loving than all that? I don't know, are kids obeying? Proverbs 13, 24 says this. And he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. It is to be an active discipline. It is to be a consistent discipline. It is to be a thought through and a followed through discipline. Some people say, well, that rod is the rod of instruction. And then go down two chapters and it says the rod for the fool of the back. It's not talking about that rod. There is physical punishment in the course of discipline. And discipline is so that there will be obedience. Why does it matter? Why can't we just play it by ear? What, 
Why can't we just play it by ear? Whatever you do in your home, you play it by ear. Isn't it to just each his own and you need to just figure out and go watch Oprah Winfrey and all the, the books out there? Isn't it to just each his own? Why does it truly matter? I want you to think about this for a second. The Bible says it is impossible to please God apart from faith. I am seeing, and maybe you are as well, I am seeing, I am finding, finding that we exhibit faith, we exhibit our trust in God in obedience. I don't, I don't want to hear you talk about your faith if you're not going to obey what God has said. I don't want to hear you say how much you trust God if you're not going to obey what he said. That's how we live out our faith. He says, do this, I obey him. He says, trust him, I obey him. That's how we trust him. That's how we walk in faith. And so you be sure there's going to be times that God's going to call us to obey. And a lot of those times, it's not going to make sense. And you're going to say, no, that, that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. That's not logical. Sometimes it's going to be painful. You know what? That's going to cost me. You know what? That's not going to be the thing that brings me the greatest level of happiness. Sometimes we're going to think there's a better way. This is not the best way. But I have to go back to the fact that I know who God is. And I trust in God. And I know his character. And I know he wants what's best for me. And so I obey him. Listen to me. Where is that learned? That's learned in the home. A child... How serious is this? Listen to this. I truly believe this. How serious is it? A child not taught to obey his parents will have a hard time trusting God. And I'm talking about in salvation. A, parent, a kid that's not taught to obey his parents is going to have a hard time obeying God. And when it gets tough, they're going to say, you know what, my dad always swooped in and saved me from that. He would have never disciplined me. Our kids not taught to obey parents are going to have a hard time walking in obedience with God and they're going to suffer for it in their life and it starts with us as parents. We obey. Next word in the verse says this. Children, obey your parents. Your parents. Now just listen to that. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Your parents Obey your parents in God's plan. The first people that your kids are going to know, those are the parents. The first people that your kids are going to learn from, that they're going to look to, those are going to be the parents. The first people that they're going to learn to obey or not obey, that's going to be the parents. That they can trust them or not trust them, that's going to be the parents. That there's love given to me or there's not love given to me, they're going to see that in their parents. A few years back, Hillary Clinton wrote a book. It was entitled, It Takes a Village. And the premise is that it takes a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to raise children. And the premise of the book says it takes all of us. It takes parents and it takes the neighbors on the block and it takes the friends down the street. It takes faith-based people, they would never call them Christians, but it takes faith-based people, it takes counselors, and it takes coaches. 
And it takes the courts and it takes the government and it takes the education system and then it uses this old African proverb and when we all come together and we all have the best interest of the kid at heart, it takes a village to raise a kid. Let me tell you something, that sounds warm and fuzzy and nice. Problem is it's a lie. You see, according to God and according to his plan, it takes parents. He gives parents. He empowers parents. He teaches parents. And I want to tell you, parents are the ones who will make a difference. Nobody can make a difference like a parent in the life of a kid. So God gives us parents. Satan comes along and tries to to mess that up and says, you know what, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. In fact, they can do it better. The schools will do it better. Your coaches will do it better. Some person, some counselor somewhere, they'll do it better. Listen to me. It is still the parents. God gives parents. That's his plan. Very quickly, we're not in a hurry to get out of here, are we? Very quickly, let me show you two ways that it happens through parents. Jumping down to verse 4, it says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I want to look at two words there very quickly, and we're going to get back to our message. Discipline means training. The training, the training. If you're to go run a marathon, you can't just hear about running a marathon. You actually have to go train to run a marathon. It's active doing. The word instruction means verbal teaching. And these are the two things that are to go on in a Christian home. These are two things that are to be done by Christian parents. You're to teach your kids and you're to instruct your kids and you're to talk about God's word and, and you're to read God's word and you're to explain why we live according to God's word. But it's not just words, it's also training It's also discipline. It's also letting them see you do it and you bringing them in and doing it with them. And and I'm going to tell you something. They're going to learn to obey when they see the parents obey. They're going to learn to pray when they see the parents go, oh, we don't have any answers. Let's come together and pray as a home. They're going to learn to share God's word when they see the parents go next door and stop down the street and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. They're going to learn to love God's word when they see a parent who loves God's word. We're to train them. Maybe the biggest mess up of our generation is that we've been fooled or we've been convinced to let somebody else or really to even trust somebody else to teach and to train what the parent's role is. We're supposed to teach in godliness. We're supposed to teach the fear of the Lord. We're supposed to teach the gospel. Why would we ever trust somebody else to do that? I want to tell you something here, same thing. It works both ways also. I'll just tell you, when you see parents and the kids grow up with parents and they're they're tokenly involved in church, And they take every opportunity to do anything else besides come to the church. And when they see parents who are minimally familiar with the word of God, they might know a few verses, but they're not familiar with the word of God. When they see parents who are apathetic with the lost people in the community and they could care less about the lost neighbor next door that's going to hell. When they see parents and the best that they can do is to haul these kids somewhere else and let somebody else teach them when they can teach them. They see what the parents value. 
And I want to tell you, they're not fooled. They understand it's not this. It's not the things of God. The parents are setting the example. Moving on, it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Now, the reason to submit to the order, it could be in your marriage. It could be in the church. It could be here in the home. The reason that we would ever submit to God's plan is that we would be pleasing to the Lord. That's what this is talking about. It pleases the Lord. It is in the Lord. It is his plan. It is his will. And so it's pleasing to the Lord when his people live according to his truth. Colossians chapter three, verse 20 says this. Children, be obedient to your parents for this is well pleasing to the Lord. It pleases the Lord. Building on that, the verse ends by saying this. For this is right. For this is right. The Greek word here is correct. It, it literally means as it should be. For this is correct. For this is how it should be. It is right. Listen to the verse now. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Do you know that our goal as Christians is not to fit in how we raise our kids? Do you know our goal as parents that are Christians is not to be accepted in how we raise our kids? Do you know our goal as Christian parents is not to be enlightened or educated or advanced or evolved when it comes to how we raise our kids? Listen to me. Our goal as Christian parents is to be biblically right in how we raise our kids. Our goal is to be God-honoring and God-pleasing that it can be said of their home. That is how it ought to be and it's right in that home. That is the standard for Christian parents. I want to tell you, we need that mindset. We need to encourage that mindset. We need to start saying, you know what? I don't care what the PTO says. I don't care what the neighbors down the street say. I don't care what the counselor says. We're going to live by what God has said in his word. We're going to be right with him. That is our standard. I'm going to close this series today. And I see today Satan is looking for our kids. Satan is looking to grab them. He's looking to mislead them. Oh, that's not smart. Oh, that's not logical. Oh, everything else points away from that. Satan is looking to, to take them away and he's, to, he's trying to get a hold of their minds and, and through that he's trying to get their hearts and he's trying to lead our kids to destruction. Do you understand? Satan is trying to lead your kid to destruction. And for the lack of the truth, because nobody seems to have the courage to proclaim the truth anymore, we've become blind to that. We've become apathetic to that. Maybe we've become too concerned with acceptance today. We've become too concerned with fitting in today. I want to tell you this morning, I believe today we're going to raise the smartest, most educated, most technologically advanced, 
most gifted, most culturally wise generation ever to walk on this earth, but I'm afraid that they're going to miss, or more than that, they're going to reject the truth of Jesus Christ, and they're going to spend eternity perishing in hell. So I end where I started. We need a revival of the word of God in our homes. We need to make up our minds. We need to wake up and see the reality of what's happening in the culture around us. We ought to be disturbed enough to do something about it. We need, we need to be people that say, you know what, I'm going to embrace what God has said in his word concerning my marriage and concerning my home and concerning my life and my language and my response and how I follow Jesus Christ. And we need people to say, God, forgive us where we've been wrong. God, forgive me where I've messed up my home. But don't just leave me there. Help change me. God, help us to put your word in our minds and in our heart and then to impart them to our kids. Help us to stand where everybody else wants to sit down. Help us to start to shout out when everybody else wants to go silent. And dear God, revive our homes. Meet us in our homes. Transform our homes according to your word. We need a revival of the word of God in our homes today. Let it start today. Let it start today. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come. And I come and I look around and I see the poise of Satan. I see the lure of the world. I see the garbage that's being heaped on our kids. They're taught you can't trust the Bible, you can't trust your word. They're taught this is a superstition. They're taught that it, it holds no validity and in true intelligent thought. They're being misled. More than that, they're being pulled into the pleasures and the ploys of Satan. Oh, this is where you'll find hope. Oh, this is where you'll find acceptance. And Satan is coming for our kids. But Lord, I know you still stand. And I know greater is in me that's in the world. I know you're victorious. I know that your truth still stands and it's relevant in this age. So God, empower today in your church, in your people, a returning to your word, a revival of your word in our hearts and in our homes, and let it shape a coming generation. Help us, Lord. Help us. Forgive us. Help us, Lord. Pray that we'd start in this service. Pray for some who aren't saved that they would start in this service. Pray for some that are tiptoeing around the edges. They would semen it down in this service. Pray for some that are committed, maybe getting tired. They'd be renewed in this service. Pray that the end result, you'd be glorified. Move in this time. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.